0: If you want to turn to John 14. Again, we're kind of really covering 14 through 16, but for the sake of time, we're going to read the second half of 14 and then read pieces of those. It'd be good to read it if you get a chance just later this week. Just read through it and think about it. But let's just start by reading 14 12 through the end. And just to review from last week, we talked about that God has promised to be with us, that we're not alone. The Father is with us. The Father sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus came and He promised to send the Spirit, that He won't won't leave us alone. And three things that means is answered prayer, His presence with us, and peace. And so if you just So we talked about last week, and we're going to continue talking about that again this week. Something to look at, watch for as we read here, starting in chapter 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son." If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Let's pause right there, and we're going to keep reading, but just remember last week we talked about these are amazing promises, and if we had our life, at least me, my life. It's like, how much of that am I living up to? Maybe like right here. And the promises are like way up here. And so then the question is, what do we do with that? And basically the whole sermon last week was, let's long for more. You know, let's not just say like, oh, it's, it's so content to be right here. Or let's explain it away and try and bring what he said down to here so I feel a little bit better. But let's just sit with it. And the question that I think a lot of us have would have is the same question that the disciples have, which is kind of encouraging. How? Like, explain it. We need to, we, we need one to, to understand more. And so then that's what that's what the next question is here as we continue on. Judas, verse 22, Not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So, we're getting close to the end of this series on God being our Father through the Gospel of John. And there's many things that we covered. You know, some are just things we want to think. You know, things, truths we want to know about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and what is God teaching us about Himself. And we don't want to leave it there. We said last week one of the goals and one of the things these last couple weeks that we want to really focus in on is how does this apply? How does this actually change my life day to day? We don't want to leave it just at these ideas that we know. We want to apply it to our lives. And we've learned quite a bit really about Jesus, his mission. He, one of the things he wanted to do, one of the pieces of his mission was to show us that God is Father eternally. That that's who God is. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. I'm going to read you here a quote that kind of summarizes some of what we covered pretty well. It's from a book called Delighting in the Trinity. And this is what he says. Christ is the word of God. Without him, we'd be blind, blinder than moles, never dreaming of how fatherly God is. But the Spirit-breathed scriptures proclaim him as the radiance of his Father the one who can share with us the true life of knowing, loving, and being loved by his Father. See, one of the things, one of the marks of Jesus' life as you watch it unfold through the Gospel of John is that he says multiple times, I'm not alone, for the Father's with me. I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And we see a life lived in the presence of the Father. And what it means to have communion with the Father as you go through your life and he's inviting us into that. He's inviting us to see God the way he really is and to understand him better. I'll read you another quote here that I think summarizes some of the other things we've talked about pretty well. Little, same thought, a little different angle. This is from John Owen in his book, Communion with the Father. He says this, Let us see the Father as love. Do not look at him as a father who is always critical, but as one who is most kind and tender. By faith, let us look at him as someone who has had thoughts of kindness towards us from everlasting. The Father loves us. That's one of the main things that you know we've talked about in this series, how much God loves us. He showed us through his Son, sending his Son. And then Jesus came and reminded us over and over. And even the beginning of John 14, what's the message that he starts this whole uh, longer section of teaching, he starts it with, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You know, trust. You know, we have this in some sense, a sense of troubledness in our hearts. And one thing that, you know, may cause that is just seeing the Father in a way that's not accurate. Seeing God in a way that's more critical, whether that's coming in from maybe accusations towards ourselves. You know, I'm not very good Christian or whatever it is you're thinking about yourself or maybe it's something from the outside but whatever it is god wants us to know that he's our father he really cares for us and then finally what we're going to talk about again is that an absent father is not a good father right that's basically what we're saying here that god does not leave us alone why he didn't leave jesus alone and jesus came to take imperfect people and say here I know you're imperfect, but look, I'm going to pull you into this relationship that I've had with the Father from eternity through my perfect life and death, through my blood. I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to make you a child of God. And that's really the way John started, right? His whole gospel, John chapter 1, that those who believed in him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. That's an amazing promise. Here we are being pulled in, being offered an opportunity to be brought into the relationship that Jesus had with the Father from all eternity, and that's available to you. And so that's kind of a longer introduction and overview of some of the things we've talked about. But important as we read and think again about today, the same basic points that we talked about last week, that God is promising us to be with us. And three of the things he's promising is answered prayer. He says that over and over here. His presence with us, not just his presence. We know he's here. We talk about this at home. God's everywhere. You know, you can't see him. And, you know, the kids will ask, will will God talk to me? It's like, well, he could, but a lot of times he just talks through the Bible and things like that. And so um, God's with you. But we're talking about something more than just that idea. Yeah, God's with you. I want you to know that. But we're talking about a felt reality. It says manifest himself to us. means you know God's there with you. You know that he's your father. And more than just an intellectual idea, but a felt reality. And then peace, right? And not peace, again, that's a felt reality, a peace between you and God, that's through the blood of Jesus, but also a peace in your life. And so, today, what do we do with these promises that are way up here and our life does not, at least for me, feel like God answers 100% of my prayers that I have this, real expectation for answered prayer where amazing things are happening, where God is with me day to day, where I have uh, peace, the peace of Jesus. Well, I want more of it, but now what do I do? Well, one, we can just talk to God. We can just ask him. Remember Habakkuk? He basically prays, look at all this injustice in the land, God, I prayed and it's still there. I thought you were going to do something. So he prays, he believes God's going to answer his prayer, and he's perplexed when he doesn't. And he just asks God, why not? God comes to him and and basically says, I, I, I am answering your prayer just in a way you didn't expect. And so here's what I want us to think about starting today, basically. If last week the goal was basically to long for more, to long to live out, just like, what Jesus is promising here and to experience it in our lives then the goal today the way I would summarize it is to walk in loving obedience to what God has said here loving obedience to what God has said now I'm going to give you an illustration I've actually used this before and I hope hopefully it's helpful so imagine you walk into a house okay you walk into a house and this person has brooms all over the walls okay and you say wow you've got a lot of brooms here and they say yeah i'm a broom expert i know all about brooms see this one it works like this and see this one see the bristles they're different they're like this and you know here's all these colors i've got them all organized i know all about brooms and i say well look what's that you know that's that doesn't look like a broom that looks like a, a swiffer well and then they tell me all about it. I'm like, "Well, that's just a little different type of broom, and here's how it works. And, um, and then you look down at the floor and it's dirty, and it's just totally covered in dirt. What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> You've missed the whole idea, right? It's like, well, what's the broom for? It's to be used, right? And it'd be better to have one broom in your closet that you actually sleep the floor with than be an expert on brooms and your floor's dirty, right? And so, that's the way sometimes, you know, we can live the Christian life. And that's the danger that I feel, and I feel like in some ways, we even see the disciples struggling with here in this passage, is here's all these promises, but God, you didn't tell me exactly how it's going to work. Like, how does this work? Like, I need to know how it works first. And I want to show you something here in John 16, if you turn there to start. John 16, he says the same thing, he just says it a little bit different. Let's start in verse 23, 16-23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. So here's the first thing I want you to, to notice here about these promises for answered prayer, for God's presence in your life, and for peace. You cannot wait till you have it all figured out to obey God. This is a command. He says here, command, and the word is a command, ask. That's a command to God, from God, to us, that we need to ask in prayer and receive. And so, just like the disciples, we might have a question, well, God, how's this going to work? That's a good question. But our primary uh, response needs to be obedience. Okay? I don't understand how this works yet, but what I do know is, I'm going to obey God. He said to do it, and I'm going to do it. We don't want to... Be like the person that has brooms all over their walls, but they don't sweep the floor. You don't need to know how this fits into all the other pictures, get the broom just right on the on the row, just in the right place, so it's all sorted out. You don't need to do that with your theology either. Do you have to have figured out your whole theology of prayer and sovereignty and all this to obey Jesus here? The answer is no, you don't. Start with just obeying God. Obey Him. And really, it's kind of interesting, where, you know, where is this coming from? Well, look at what he really says here um, in this passage. Look at 14 again. Right after he says you know, all these big promises, what does he say? In verse 15, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, He will give you another Helper, to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I am you. And then he circles back around again to obedience. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What's Jesus here teaching? Okay, he's, he's teaching these great promises, and what does he follow up with? A real detailed explanation of how you're going to fit all this together in your theology. No, <laughs> just basically this. Obey me, and I'll do it. Walk with me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and as you walk, in obedience, in loving obedience, I will be with you, I'll show myself to you, and I'll answer your prayers. Pretty amazing. Not what I not what I would want, you know, me personally. I I like ideas. I like to think and sort and try and figure things out. And I want a real clear, coherent. This is you know, this is how it works. The reality is is the Bible isn't really like that. There's a lot of things that God doesn't answer, right? I'll give you another verse here that kind of helps from the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 29, 29. If you want to turn there. It's a good verse. It's good when the verses are easy to remember too. 29, 29. It's really helpful. It's like, remember the number there. Very similar message little bit different wording. The secret things, it says, belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. So let's pause right there. What God says here is really freeing and helpful. You aren't going to know everything. You're not going to figure everything out. You're not going to have it all sorted out. That's that's good to know, isn't it? Don't, I mean, if you're like me, and in general, I mean, here, I mean, I'm talking to a specific group, right? We're here, we're Lake Road Chapel. We like theology. We like good teaching, right? And that's a lot of times what people, you hear when we talk about Lake Road and things like that, books and, and theology and and different things like that. And that's good. There's good pieces to that. But, If that gets to where you can't obey God because you've got to have it all figured out first, that's bad theology. (laughs) There's things that God has given you to know. There's things that God hasn't given you to know. And it's okay just to say, God, I don't understand this. And there's some things that we're not going to understand. He's not going to tell us. But what's our response? Look at the second half of the verse. That we may do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So look, there's things you, God showed you, there's things that He hasn't showed you. What's our response? He showed us what we need to know so that we can obey Him. We have enough to where we can obey God. We, ha- we know enough to start walking in obedience, we don't know everything, and we actually, we'll never know everything. But we can begin to walk in what we know God has told us to do. So, the the question is, how does all this work? You know, that's if you're like me, that's what you want to know. How does all this work with prayer? God said He's His His promises to answer prayer are like through the roof. Ask me whatever you wish in my name, and I'm going to do it. And then He says it again, and then He says it again. 15 and 16 and uh, 14. He says it over and over. I don't know how it works, but you know what? I'm going to begin to walk in obedience and believe God, even though I don't have it all figured out. God said He's going to manifest His presence to me. If I love Him, if I'm walking with Him, He's going to show Himself. He's going to be with me. He's going to be near me in a felt way. Do I understand exactly how that's going to work? I don't. I don't know what I don't know all the details of what exactly he means by that but you know what I know I'm just going to obey him and I know it's going to happen because he said he said it would he said he'd give us peace as I walk in I love Christ I want to obey him I want to be near him and as I go on walking with him he's going to do what he said It's pretty freeing really now, this is important. I mean, it's really important. And you kind of get a hint of this in how Jesus answers Judas, not Iscariot, other Judas. He kind of repeats himself. I mean, he, Judas basically says, like, how? How is this going to happen? And Jesus basically says the same thing he already said. As you obey me, you love me, you keep my commandments, the Spirit will come, he'll dwell in you, and I'll manifest myself to you. He doesn't really give him a detailed answer on how exactly this is going to work. He basically just says, obey me, walk with me, and I'll do it. And that's all he needs to know. God has given him what he needs to know at that time. And he specifically says later on, I'm going to send the Spirit, and he's going to teach you. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind things that I've already said. Everything you need to know, he's going to teach you. Trust, trust me. And so that's what I want you to think about here today. Here's these three things. We want, I want more, don't you? Don't you want more answered prayer, more of God's presence in your life, more peace? I also want to know how it works. I want to know more detail, but God hasn't given that. He's given me what I need to know. And the first thing is just to obey Him. So then let's just talk about that. Think about the difference here. I mean, think about the examples in the Bible. Okay? Think about what Jesus said about the Pharisees. He said, listen to what they do, listen to what they say, but don't listen to what they do. Don't look at what they do. Basically, what is he saying? Good theology? Don't obey it. They don't obey it. They know a lot about the law, they don't do it. We don't want to be that. We want to be people that obey God. Think about the Bible as a whole. Not just not just the Pharisees, but think all the way back. What is God? What's the path that God has, has His people on? Is it a path? I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to explain everything, exactly how it works. You're going to get it all figured out, and then you can obey me. Is that how it was with Abraham? You know, like, follow me, leave your land, and I'll... And follow me, and go to this land that I'm going to give you. And Abraham said, "All right, where's my itinerary? I need all the details." And God gave him, you know, 200-page plan of his his life. That's not how it worked. He obeyed God. What he knew was that God commanded him. He knew where he was going, and he and he left. Joseph, remember Joseph in Genesis, how? Difficult his life was. He saw these visions, right? And then he's thrown into a pit. It looks like, how is this ever going to come? come come, about? Gets sold into slavery and then goes from slavery to jail. What a difficult life. But you know what he did? He obeyed God. And it says, you know, the hand of God was on him. Over and over and over these things. God loves when we have a heart of humility and obedience and love towards Him, even if we don't have it all figured out. Just think about Jesus calling His disciples. He came, and he, who did He call? He called the people with the best theology that knew the most about the Bible. No. He called the fishermen that knew very little, that probably didn't you know, go on in schooling. They probably stopped early on in their life and started working with their dad, but they were willing to obey. Right, when he said, "Follow me," they did it. That's different. God is God is looking for people who will just obey Him. And you know what? If you have, if there, it's not an either or, right? We we can grow in understanding and in obedience. But where do we have to start? We have to start with obedience, right? That if you are not willing to obey God, but you have a lot of understanding that can't be remedied. The more that you understand, you've got to get to the point where you just say, I'm going to obey. Right? you get to understand more and more and more and more. But eventually, you're going to have to backtrack and just say, God, I'm going to obey you. On the other hand, if you say, God, I don't know very much, but I want to follow you, I want to obey you in whatever you say. I don't know how it all works, I don't have it all figured out, but you know what? I want to follow you. God can work with that. <laughs> That's a great place to be. And the reality is, is I think sometimes we get to where we put theology before obedience. And I'll just ask you, just like just like Judas here, he asked this question. Let me ask you this, when you listen to a sermon, what's the first thing that you think about? Well, he said something like this, and I just really think that maybe he should have said it just like this. And I'm going to think about that when I get home, and I'm, I'm going to think about why maybe that wasn't the right way to say it. Or, which I think that's okay to think that, but what if you do all that and you think all these things through and you don't ask yourself, how do I obey the main part of what the scripture was saying? Right? Think about that. It's easy to do. You know, you you sit down, you listen to maybe someone teach on something and it's like, yeah, this doesn't seem quite right here. This doesn't seem... I don't agree on that, and I have reasons why I don't agree on it. And then you never get to the place where, yeah, okay, I don't agree with that, but you know what? The Bible says this, and this was the main point, and I want to ask myself, how can I obey what God said? I think a lot of times, me personally, it becomes easy to get stuck in that mode where I'm thinking, trying to think things through, trying to understand things, and miss out on something below that that I need to have, which is God you know what, I don't, I don't agree here, I don't understand this, I don't see how all this fits together, but you know what, down beneath all that, I'm going to obey you, right? Somebody teaches on parenting, here's all the details, here's, here's how I do it, here's what I think the scripture means, you can think, oh, I, don't, I don't agree with that, I don't agree with that, but beneath all that, not get stuck on all that, and think, you know what, the Bible is clear on a lot of things in parenting, and I want to obey everything I understand. That's different. And so we want to start there with obedience. Because there might be, and there actually are, we know from the Bible, a lot of things we're never going to understand. It would be so sad to get caught up in all these little things, trying to fit it all together, and never obey what we do understand. And that's really what happens. And so how that can happen. And we see that in the Bible with the Pharisees. And I wonder if you can think about that in your own life. You know, Uh, think of times like that. Um So how do we do this, okay? Here's these promises of prayer. God's saying, I'm going to answer your prayers. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you peace. How can we start by just saying, you know what, I don't understand it all. God doesn't, his answer to Judas doesn't really give us uh, what we might want. Like this detailed systematic theology, how it all fits, fits together. It's just kind of, walk with me, obey me, and it'll happen. That's basically his answer. Love me, obey me, walk with me, and I'll do it. So how do we do it? Well, let's... Let's just think about it. Let's first think about prayer specifically, answered prayer. And I want I want to introduce kind of this idea that comes up in the Bible a lot and I think is helpful. And it's just this idea of waiting on God. Waiting on God. Okay, it comes up over and over in the Bible. And I'll, I'm going to start by reading a quote from uh, Andrew Murray. He, has, he actually has a book called Waiting on God, which is a good book. So this is what he says. Today, we want to take in the blessed truth that waiting on God is an important part in prayer. When we have special petitions in connection with which we are waiting on God, our waiting must be very definitely in the confident assur- assurance, my God will hear me. A holy, joyful expectancy is of the very essence of true waiting. And he's what he's really referencing there is this is this verse Micah seven seven. It says, "I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the Lord my, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me." So he's saying, "I'm going to wait, and God's going to hear." And so here, what do we do? What's the first thing we do when we hear these promises for prayer? We begin waiting on God, which means what? Which means when we pray, it's not just this prayer that goes off in uh, into God's ear, and then we never. Think about it again. It's like, oh, that's gone. That's done. Uh, I'm not expecting an answer. He's saying that we should wait and see what God does. Expect God to do something. Waiting is not waiting on God isn't passivity. It's not just, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, what it is, it's active, intentional waiting because you have faith God is going to do something. You know, the difference in waiting on God and passivity might be the difference between If I, um, for example, let's say we're going to get together for lunch or something like that. Passivity might be, you're like, well, Andrew said we're going to get together for lunch. I'm just going to sit in my chair. And surely if we're getting together for lunch, he's going to come and and somehow get to my house or whatever. And I'll just sit right here and wait and see what happens. On the other hand, the waiting might be you go where maybe we decided to meet. (coughs) And you wait, and you stand there. And maybe, what if time goes by and I'm late? What are you going to do? If you really believe I'm going to come, you're just going to keep standing there. And the longer it takes, the more active just standing and waiting really takes, right? If I'm 45 minutes late, it takes some effort to just say, well, I think he's going to (laughs) come. And so I'm going to keep just standing here and keep on waiting. And that's the way it is with God. You ask in prayer, And it's difficult to say, God, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for this. I haven't seen it yet. But I'm still watching. I'm still looking for an answer because of what you said. It's active. It's stretching. It's difficult. Just the way that it's stretching and hard, if you're standing there waiting for 45 minutes, you start, man, this is, it's hard to stand and just wait, you know. And the same with God. As we pray and we're looking for answers, it's going to stretch you. It's going to. Stretch your faith to say, God, I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen an answer yet. But I'm still looking. I'm still watching. Because of what you said in your word. Waiting on God. And you know, one, th- one reason, and I'm trying to help bridge the gap between my experience and the verses, promises. One reason I think there's such a gap is that we don't wait on God. So ex- for example... If you really kind of doubt in your mind or you have this idea in your mind like, yeah, God kind of sometimes answers prayer and sometimes he doesn't. It just kind of seems random and sometimes I pray and it seems like he answers, sometimes he doesn't. And we're not waiting intentionally watching like, look, I'm praying to almighty God. He, had, he gave me promise after promise after promise that he's going to answer. So I'm going to watch and I'm going to see what he does. I think part of the reason we don't see how much God really answers our prayers, we're not watching for it. Right? How many times at prayer meeting when we pray week after week after week, God answers a lot of times. But how many times do you remember? Last week we prayed about this, and God answered. God did what we said. Well, if we're not waiting, we don't notice those things. So the other thing that happens, and that I think, I, basically what I'm saying is this. God is. If you're a Christian, God is answering your prayers. Are you watching to see? Are you waiting, and when they come, are you saying, I've been waiting, God, you answered my prayer, thank you. And the joy fills your heart that God heard you. Or, is it a prayer, and then you begin to not even expect God to answer? When we don't, when we don't wait on God, these answers come, and we don't receive them as the joy and the nearness of God like they could be. The The other thing that happens, not just that God could answer exactly the way you asked, and you don't notice it, is God could answer in a way you didn't expect. But because you're waiting, you you see it, and you wouldn't have otherwise. So it may be that you pray. You know, an example in in, in my life, from my life. Um, not that I do this very well. I'm just only got one life to share examples from. But pray for God to give me an opportunity to share with my students. Okay, God, would you give me an opportunity today to share the gospel? And I actually watched. Like, God, I asked for an opportunity. And then a student comes in, and I have an opportunity, and I said to God, I didn't mean that student. <laughs> Seriously, that's what I said. Because I was like, well, God, I, I wasn't thinking about a student with Christian parents. Like, he can hear the gospel, or she, every single day at home. I'm thinking about one of the kids whose parents never talked to them. Right? But what happened was, God answered my prayer. And you know, if I had prayed that and kind of not really expected God to answer, I wouldn't have noticed, well God, you did answer my prayer. And then I kind of realized, you know what God, I think you know better than me, if this is the person I need to be sharing with, praise be to your name, and that's okay, Um, and maybe there's an opportunity with another student later on. I wouldn't have seen that, I wouldn't have recognized that if I wasn't waiting, because I... And I think there's many times, I I ask and I I don't wait. And so I'll give you another example on that when I don't wait. So I prayed a prayer a while ago that I haven't thought about in a long time, but I basically prayed this: God, make me like Jesus as fast as possible. I, no matter how painful it is. And then I like felt some fear in my heart, like that's a scary prayer. And I said like, and I'm also God, like I'm afraid that it's going to be really painful. Help me. And help me through it. And so here's a prayer. God, make me like Jesus as fast as possible, even if it hurts. You know. So then you pray that. And then what happens when you're not waiting on an answer is, here comes a difficult thing that you learn a lot from. You feel like you've grown to be more like Jesus. And then I forgot even that I prayed that prayer. And instead of being thankful like God, man, that was hard. But I'm thankful that you're hearing me. I think, man, God, why would you put me through this? What's going on? Like, are you really, is this really what you want for me? And the reality is it turned from encouragement, what could have been encouragement, like, God, this is so hard, but you heard, you heard my prayer, you know? And I'm so thankful, and I'm sure there's something you teaching me through this, to, man, God, where are you in this, you know? Instead of feeling the presence of God, I was doubting the presence of God. And I think one of the reasons was I wasn't waiting. You know, I wasn't like, God, you promised, you know, you would answer my prayers. And so you see the difference there that we can. What I'm trying to encourage you is this is God has promised to answer your prayer. I don't know how it all works, I don't know how it all fits together because, because the promise is way up here, and, and I know God doesn't answer 100% of my prayers. There's things He's shaping, there's things He's doing, there's things that I don't see. But here's what I want you to know, is that if you're a Christian, God is answering your prayers. Wait on Him and watch. Don't forget. Don't just send your prayers off and not expect to see an answer because you might miss the answer you get. Whether it's different from what you ask or whether it's exactly what you asked. God is hearing your prayers. He promised, He would, and He does. So let's watch and let's praise Him when the, when the answers come. So that's one way we can apply this, right? We don't want to just so wait on God to tell us exactly how this all works that we don't start living it out today waiting on God today and you know for me there's prayers I don't you know there's prayers you don't wait on God for examples is like you're casting your burdens on God what you're really doing is you're pouring out your heart to God you're kind of lamenting and you're not necessarily requesting something from God or praises to God you're praising God you're not necessarily waiting on Him to do something but there are prayers where we do wait and so I'm not saying that every prayer you pray, you're waiting on God, because some of it is just communion with God, right? You're just saying, God, I'm so thankful to be near you. I'm thankful you give me your word. There's not really a request there to wait on. But there are things in our life that we should be waiting on God for. And there's things that we don't really know. Like, God, I'm not really sure about this request. This is kind of what I think, you know. And you take it, and your will be done. But then there's other things. There's other things that are different. And let's talk about those here for a second. What kind of prayers can we really wait on God for with real deep um, expectancy where, it's not, where it gets to be 45 minutes after you're supposed to meet, right? Metaphorically, it's been a long time, but you're still like, no, God is going to come through on this. And I'm going to keep waiting and watching, even though it's stretching me, even though it's hurting me, even just to wait this long. How does that work? Well, let's look at the next piece here that Jesus talks about. This is true for both the presence of God and the answered prayers from God. I want you to notice how much His word comes up here in these, in these verses. Turn with me. We just read it. You, you saw it in 14, but look in 15, which we haven't really talked about yet. Fifteen seven, It comes up again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So, we see that again from 14 about keeping his word. But we see it again in 15, specifically. He brings in his word there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. One way that we can pray these confident prayers that we're waiting on God for is when they're in line with his word. When we know, like, God, you said this, and so I am certain that you want to do this, because you said it. It's not my idea, God. It's your idea. And so, there's a lot of prayers like this. Um, just for sake of time, I'm not going to turn there and read it, but Daniel chapter 9, if you get time to read it, Daniel basically prays this prayer, like, God, this is what you said. You said we're going to return us from exile. And look, it looks like now's the time uh, the days that it seems like you said were appointed are, are coming, and I'm going to pray, God, send us back. Forgive us of our sins and send us back. And God sends an angel to say, your prayer has been heard, you know, which is amazing. But the reality was is he It specifically mentions he was looking in the word of God, and he was convinced, like, this is what God wants. And you can do that, too. You can do that. You can read through the Bible and as you see, like I know that I know that I know God wants this for me and for my family and for my kids and for my church and for the world. And you can pray, like God, no, this is one I'm going to wait on because there's no way that you cannot answer this. I'll give you just an example. One example. This is, you could take many, many, many examples, but this one I thought what would really help our day-to-day life. Okay, so here's some verses. I'll just use this as may be how we might wait on God this is from Ecclesiastes it says there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil or his work this also I saw is from the hand of God and then uh, Colossians says this bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord whatever you do Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So here's just a couple verses. Maybe you read through those in your um, daily reading or Bible plan or whatever, and you're convinced, God wants me to enjoy my work, to take joy in it, and to do it with all my heart. As for Him, certain. Why do we know? Why are we certain? Because it's what God said in His Word. And you know what that means? That means he wants to help you, right? He wants this for you. He didn't put this in there because it's like way up here and we're never going to attain it. He's saying, this is possible and I want this for you. And so we could pray, God, I don't enjoy my work. It's hard. It's toilsome. It's difficult. And I'm not taking pleasure in it. God, help me. Help me to work with all my heart as unto you and to find enjoyment in all my toil and all my work and then wait, and not get to where we think, man, God's not going to answer, or it's not come yet. We just keep praying and praying and praying because we're certain that this is what God wants. Think about that. Think about it. if that's all you took from this message, is that you really believed, you know what? That's true for me. I don't really enjoy my job. I don't do it as unto the Lord. When Sunday night comes around, I start dreading my job. And when I'm there, I'm just looking for the clock to turn. What if you just started praying, God, look, you promised you to answer my prayers. I know this is a good request. It's what you want me to do. I, if I wrote the Bible, I wouldn't put in there, enjoy all your toil and all of it. I would have said most of it. You know, There's a lot of things that I don't enjoy. But God said all, you know everything and that God will help you, that he wants this for you. And so what if you just prayed that and you prayed it and you didn't just pray it once and then when it didn't happen, you're like, oh, that's too bad. Then you prayed again the next day or two or three days. God, I'm still not really enjoying my work. I'm still struggling on Sunday nights. I'm still struggling um, when I go in uh, these meetings or that or paperwork or whatever. God, help me. And you prayed it and you prayed it and you prayed it. And you know what? God wants to answer and he will. Let's wait on him. Let's not give up and just say, well, God's not going to answer that. Bible-saturated prayers. That's one of the ways we can pray and know, God's going to answer me. I-, I can wait on this. You know, it's been you know a long time, but I know this is this is something I can wait, and he's going sh- to show up. One more thing here that might help in terms of practical. Seeing these answers to prayer is, notice how many times it says things like, in, in his name. In his name, he said. He's gonna. If we pray in his name, what does that really mean? How do we, how do we apply that part of it? Well, I'm going to try and summarize it. And this is the way I'm going to summarize it. This isn't perfect, but this is my best attempt to make it really simple. It's this. That when we see ourselves in the mission of Jesus, we can pray in his name. For example, it's like, Jesus, you came. Your mission here. Was to love people. Or your mission here was. Specifically. It seemed like you were, you were there for the down and out. You know. Uh, your mission was to glorify God. And when we do things. And we're entering in. To that mission of Jesus. We can pray with special confidence. Like Jesus. This isn't my idea. I'm not trying to advance my kingdom. It's your kingdom. And it's in your name that I'm praying. That your kingdom will go forward. Um, okay let 's let 's do another practical example, and we 've prayed this before here you know what i don 't really want, and i don 't think we want real nice you know white collar you know upper middle class church why that 's not how I see Jesus, man, I want people coming in here who are down and out don 't you and so we can pray that like god look there 's a couple trailer parks just within a walking distance from our church. God, please send down and out people here. We want to minister to them. We want to love them. They need you. God, save people in the jail. These guys are messed, and ladies are messed up. They're they're the lowest of the low. Please save them. Bring them. Knit them in. When they come out of jail, knit them into our church. We can pray those things in the name of Jesus. And the reason I feel like I can pray that in the name of Jesus, like with real confidence, is, this isn't my idea, Jesus. Like, I'm looking at your life, and I'm just trying to enter into the same things you did, the same way you did it. And I, the reason I want it is because I've been inspired by you. It's not my idea. It's not for me. It's in your name. We're going out in your name, in your power, in you, uh your authority. And we're asking these things. And you see, the other thing that I want you to notice here in terms of the presence of God, we I mean, don't have time to read all these verses. We're kind of covering a lot here today, but... Hopefully, even though it's kind of a fire hydrant, you can take some of it. Even when he talks about God's presence with him, what is he specifically talking about in like 15, 16, 17? He warns them, people are going to hate you. And they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. It's going to be like this, but you know what? I'm going to be with you. The Spirit's going to be there, and He's going to bear witness about me. You see how that fits in? Like, they're in the mission of Jesus. As you go and you live your life in loving obedience, trying to follow Jesus... Difficulty is going to come, Jesus says, but I'm going to be there with you. My presence will be there with you. The Spirit's going to testify about me. Do you see how these promises are fulfilled in us walking in loving obedience? Right? We're saying, as I go and live out my obedience to Christ and I walk with Him, there's going to be difficulties, but God's going to be there with me. He's going to show Himself through his spirit, he's going to manifest himself both to me, but he specifically says he's going to declare Christ in general, right? And so it's as we walk in loving obedience to the Father, to Christ, that these blessings are coming to us, these promises are are going to be fulfilled. And so, another question you could ask yourself is this, If, if you don't feel like you see answered prayer, you don't feel like you've have the presence of God in your life, ask yourself this, what things am I doing in the name of Jesus that I'm doing it for His kingdom, for Him? Because if there really isn't anything, if your life's all about you, what I want today, how, how what's going to make me happy today, then why would we expect God's presence to be with us? Why would we expect God to answer our prayers? We wouldn't, right? James specifically says that if we ask to spend it on our own desires, God's not going to answer those. And so the other thing that means too is that we don't just expect God to manifest Himself to us as we sit down and read the Bible every morning, although we do expect that, right? It's as we're living out the mission of Jesus, God's going to be there with us. As we're ministering to down and out people, as we're trying to share the gospel, as we're trying to love people that are unlovely, He's going to be there. He's going to help us. You know, some of the best times that I've felt like, wow, I think I know Jesus better wasn't just when I was reading my Bible, right? It was like, when I was at work, this is kind of a graphic, somewhat graphic illustration, but when I was at work, you know, and kids would spit in my face, right? You know what I thought about? Jesus, right? Because people spit in his face. And I remember thinking, I never imagined it would be like this. I never, whenever I thought about people spitting in Jesus' face, I didn't really get it. But now I get it, and I see why that, it feels like that. And why it feels like you don't spit on people, you spit on the ground, right? And that's kind of how you feel when people start spitting on you. It's like, man, this is bad. And you know what? I felt like I knew Jesus better. <laughs> wasn't in my Bible reading, although it was informed by that, right? It was as I'm trying to love people and walk in the way he wanted me to walk, he's coming to me in the difficult moments, and He's this is what I did for you. And so, if we want these things, we want these promises, and we want them real in our life, we need to walk, just like he said, in loving obedience. We keep his word. We, we love Christ. We walk in his commandments, and he's going to be near to us. We lean on him. And so, let's, let's apply it. Let's not just say, oh, I'm going to try and think, and I'm going to try and absorb this. And I'm going to put it on my theological shelf. Let's say, no you know what, I don't understand it all, but what's one thing I can do to apply it to my life? How can this be real in my life? It was real in the people in the Bible's life. There's a lot of verses about where they're waiting on God, where it's difficult, and then times where it's joyful, where, they, where He answers. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. O oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may sh- may strike terror no more. So many, so many times God answers prayer, and it's like, this is part of the joy of their faith, is seeing God draw near, seeing God answer prayer. Is that part of ours, you know? Is this part of our daily, weekly life where we're expecting God to come in and invade our life, God to come in and answer our prayers, and you know what, when He does? Joy. God, heard, God, God is near me today. God heard my prayer. This door is not just an open door. This is God, right? Right? And that means, one more thing, last thing, you can't be afraid to mess up, okay? Because you know what? If you wait till you've got it all figured out and you know, like, I'm going to pray and it's, and I'm not going to mess up. I'm never going to get a no. I'm never going to be disappointed. You're never going to pray, right? We've got to start saying, look, I don't know how it all works. I know there's probably things in my heart that need to be shaped and cut off and and sometimes there's desires in my heart that I don't even realize. But you know what? I'm just going to obey and I'm going to ask because he told me, he commanded me, ask. And so I'm going to ask and you know what? There's going to be times where I'm really, really looking for something to happen at a certain time or in a certain way and I'm going to be disappointed. But you know what? I'm glad I at least obeyed and I'm walking in what I try. I'm trying to walk in what he said rather than just not walking it at all because you can't do it perfectly, we don't want that. So we're as we do this. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be. It's going to be. Your faith is going to be stretched. It's going to be challenged. It's going to be. Man, I. This is one prayer I really, really thought I knew how God was going to answer, and then He He did it differently, or did it at a different time, or He hasn't done it yet, and it's going to be hard. That's good, right? Don't you want your faith to grow, to be stretched? I do. I do. It's going to be hard but let's apply it as best we can. And maybe if you're a kid today, you might need to apply this in a different way. Maybe you're not a Christian and maybe it's a different type of thing for you. Maybe you've been waiting to repent, to trust Jesus to follow Jesus till you really feel like you understand it all. Like, well, what is repentance? How do I know if I've repented? Um what is it, you know, what is regeneration or whatever? and you don't feel like you really, really, really get it, well, let me ask you this. Are you ready just to follow Jesus and trust Him? You know what? You don't have to pass the test from me or your parents. Like, what is repent? How does it all work? How do you know if you've actually... You don't need to do all that. You just need to have the desire. I want to follow Jesus, and I want to obey Him. I'm going to do that however I best I know how right now as a kid. And you know what? God can teach me. And maybe my repentance isn't, isn't just perfect right now, but you know what? As I grow and as I learn, God's going to help me. Don't wait, right? You've got, you've got what you need to know. Whatever you know about Jesus as a 3-year-old, as a 4-year-old, 5-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever you know, whatever you know that he wants you to do, trust him with your sins, with your life, and follow him the best you know how. Do it right now. Don't wait until you've got all figured out. Don't wait until you've read you know, the right books or you know just how to answer right. Do it now if you want to. You've got the doors open. And you know what? That's how your parents, and that's how we're doing it too. We don't have all the answers. We're doing our best. We don't have everything lined out. We're doing the best we know how with what we know right now. We might learn more tomorrow, the next day, the next day. And as we do, we're just going to keep obeying, obeying, obeying. And God is going to keep answering His promises and being with us. And He's going to give us peace and joy.